0: Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guests in LA are Ben Silverman and Howard Owens, co-heads of the content company Propagate. Ben and Howard have been partners on and off for years, since their days in the 1990s working at the William Morris Agency. Today, they have big ambitions to build Propagate into a major player in the global content arena. They spent most of 2018 putting building blocks in place, thanks to the investment Propagate received from Rain Group. Here, Ben and Howard discuss the economic landscape for content, wrestling over rights with buyers, and why their company is also in the talent management business. And they also reflect on their past lives as network executives and just how much those jobs have changed. Ben Silverman and Howard Owens of Propagate Content. Thank you very much for stopping by and joining us today.
1: Absolutely. great Great to be here. Yeah, nice to be in the uh, the Variety Studios.
0: The hub of where it all happens (laughs) in Los Angeles. Um, You guys had a big 2018. A lot of things went down. You started the year with an investment from Rain Group. And then you turned around and bought Electus, Ben's previous company that he started in 2009. And by the end of the year, you had recruited Greg Lipstone, who had been running All3Media America and is a veteran of the unscripted and talent agency world. And Electus has also brought you a big position in the talent management company Artists First. So how does all this activity set you up for 2019? What are your big priorities for the year?
1: Well, a lot of retreats, you know, so as we, as, we, as we build culture and integrate all the really incredible execs across the companies, we love Peter Principato and the Artist First business. They are so impressive and have built an incredible organization and uh, have amazing producerial ability, as well as a deep, deep roster of, of brilliant storytellers and artists and we love the name too, Artist first because we're name, yeah. very much artist driven in our philosophy and um 2019 is the year we gotta you know really elevate it and make it all work we're not done in our acquisitions and ambitions for growth in terms of the inorganic but we also want to now put the pedal to the metal and really turn on the dynamics that had been kind of frozen between artists first and um, its ability to expand uh, beyond because they had been in the sales process with Electus. And so Howard and I are focused on continuing to up the premium content that we are um, making at scale for everyone from the History Channel to Netflix, to Amazon, um, to Apple, to um, NBC, and we also are looking to grow our premium scripted business. We're currently in production on three big uh, scripted series, Charmed, Jane the Virgin going into its final year, and Blood and Treasure coming on CBS, as well as a myriad of really great high-end development. And we're looking to just grow all those businesses. We're and ama-
2: build out our unscripted franchises and really, um, you know, get back to the business of, of creating, um, you know, culture changing uh, content. And you and saw in
1: January with the launch of Mass Singer and, and Titan Games. You know, those still it's not are, going away. and not only that, those are still the shows that can move the needle the fastest for big big. Outlets and big networks, big
0: high concept unscripted. Yes, you still see. I mean, I know that was one of the things mm-hmm. that you guys both made your, you know, major names on. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, has that moment passed? Can and, anything break through? And clearly, it Looks can. Like, yeah,
1: and it's all about originality. We have an amazing uh, show at, at Fox that we're not allowed to announce yet, but um, ah, go ahead, they won't mind. No, yeah. no, that we're in production on with a series. Yeah, great talent auspices. And uh, and it's one that Howard and I have believed in for literally 15 years, you know, kind of since we started in this industry and uh, built kind of the reality business, you know, on, on the heels of the work we did at uh, William Morris and Reveille.
0: With the little show called Who Wants to it, be it, a Millionaire? Exactly. Yeah. Can the, you the believe it's that, been 20 years? <laughs> I know.
1: It's unbelievable. And it's still it's on nuts. the air. <laughs> Still on the air, but um, and the wave of all of that, you know, there was a moment, and you you actually chronicled it, you know, where if it had an accent, you know, we were involved in its its <laughs> translation to American and then the world, and I think the areas that we have real kind of continued first mover and and separation from our competition is we're super internationally oriented. We invested in a big international company as well called Incognito out of France. We have a partnership in Brazil with Formata. And we are growing our international um, platform. We're in production on Spanish-language series, on French series. We have the November 13th documentary series on Netflix this summer with the Naudé brothers. Indian
2: series and based uh, on a format that's uh, about to be made in India, going into production I just heard this morning, uh, yes. Very exciting in, in Brazil as well uh, second season in Portuguese so you know are these
0: for like Netflix or for streaming they're for
1: all different kinds of outlets so the Indian one is for Amazon the French one was for Netflix the Spanish language one is for Netflix and the Brazilian one was for Brazilian uh, broadcast television actually and so we're scaling our international and and coupled with that we're going to be accelerating the growth for artists first internationally and that model of um, talent led uh production orientation we believe in completely and um, and so that's another element as well as all the IP that we're able to drive out of the global markets you know just like Jane the Virgin and Ugly Betty before that were from Colombia and Venezuela we have a string of great new IP in development including Strong Girl um, with CBS and CW based on the hip hot Korean format and we continue to kind of identify I think the best of the international market for translation but also as we did in selling our shows internationally are doing it in in reverse but the key answer to your you know question is in acquiring electus notional the big breakfast franchise which makes adam ruins everything (laughs) and um artists first as well as a minority stake in authentic the management company in new york which hasn't been Reported on, we want to integrate these into a you know creative led, talent led global studio model for the future. How we can control rights and battle to um, you know retain as much as possible in a world of accelerated vertical integration remains the biggest challenge, um, and we're looking at ways to do that and to accelerate those opportunities you know we have used advertisers a great deal in the kind of previous decade to to align with around that and we're still wide open to and interested in figuring out how they come back to the table. Now in terms of
0: bringing them in as financing partners from the get-go exactly, on a show. Exactly, or
1: co-producers. Marketing, or finance, co-producers. Exactly. And uh, they are clamoring because uh, for re-entry into a system that's kind of been closing them out on, in Netflix, Apple, and Amazon's ecosystems where they're not... Invited or welcome at the table. And so we think there's opportunity there as well. And with Greg Lipstone's uh, arrival, you know, having another senior level executive to support Howard and I and help um, really, you know, run run the day to day operations while we're building it out. And also the brilliant executives we've brought in from Electus, Drew Buckley, who's done a great job at Electus and is now part of the Organization also, and you senior know, seeing, management team, yeah, and seeing that through, and then the incredible capacity of the executives inside. Um, Artists first, you know, we don't just think of them as managers; we think of them as executive talent. And Brian Dobbins, and David Gardner, and Joel Zadak, and uh, Peter Principato, uh, across the board, you know, have such deep relationships, access, and insight into the industry, and and that's something we're excited to unlock more then their kind of quotidian, you know, business of the generation before in the management side.
0: The percentage business. Yeah, of representing it, talent. It, exactly. Yeah. Um, let me I ask all the producers that I talk to these days this question. Clearly, the the you know, the the business models in the industry are, are changing seismically. You two are, were both so far ahead of how the business was changing, you know, going mm-hmm. on 20 years ago but now it really feels like it is becoming a business of upfront money as opposed to back end success. How does that change the way you guys go about doing your business? Is television becoming a cost plus business for for producers making money, independent producers such as
2: yourselves? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously because of the trend, we want to take advantage of that trend. You know, we want to sell series and get multiple seasons and get as much, um, you know, upfront and um, as much revenue and, and, and money as possible on the series that we're committed to in selling. But I think our artists first, um, our entry, uh, our relationships with artists first and our management uh, talent relationships, as well as our international production platforms, as well as our. Uh, Ability to work with brands and advertisers are all different ways that we're looking to, as we like to say, form a quicker and more efficient path to production, but also opportunities to create different and emerging business models. You know, on on one level and on a big macro level for us, we've always believed in international, you know, as our conversation has already um, um, alluded to. Um, but we believe there's an opportunity to be making programs globally around the world. And as part of that, there are rights positions and not, you know, in, in countries that we're dealing with, as Ben referenced, you know, uh, Brazil, where we're in business with a, uh, a, a broadcaster. Um, there are still businesses that rely on co-production models and still businesses that rely on partnerships where there are ownership opportunities, and where they're legally regulated to force
1: ownership onto the independent sector, right. something that we think should happen in America, you know, as, as I wouldn't hold your breath in this yeah.
0: political environment, Although, but yeah, you never know. Right. Actually,
1: you never know. I, I'm with you, just because of the hatred he has for all of the big <laughs> the That's big platforms I mean. and the fact that he doesn't feel his voice gets heard as the president. Fairly, right? You know that I think it's actually shocking that under a republican regime you could potentially see that emerge but regardless there is a moment in time i think with the conversation ongoing about the consolidation now affecting what consumers see and the clear directive of all these media platforms to kind of come out with one version of a of a conversation it is going to be a moment where we need to go backwards and create independent sector and independent voice again. And we, we believe in that from the success of how content can develop and arrive and connect with an audience that it can't just all be two headed babies fed from
0: the same right. machinery Six companies that are going to control. It. And, and it's so dramatically literally. different in the UK where literally by law, there is a, there's very strict rules like The United States had 30 years ago. We were involved
1: as agents in helping develop PACT's strategy back 20 plus years ago to get a quota of 25 percent fed through the independent sector where they were owning the rights. Part of it is based on the fact that the BBC was funded by the government and Right. The r- net result of it was, though, that those companies became so successful. An export market developed because they cared about every penny more than a large conglomerate would holding on to multiple rights that it may not exploit. And then those companies drove value on the alternative investment market, which is, you know, kind of the NASDAQ of London, and billions of dollars of wealth were created, jobs were built, mm-hmm. and there's a real narrative uh, to that that has worked in other markets so we continue to invest in those markets mm-hmm. as well because they're places where the rights disposition is is better suited for producers but I think to answer your question directly it's requiring us to think a little differently it's requiring as Howard said that cre- creativity around business models yes but we need to get more volume on one hand yeah. because it's the only way that it can equal what we're losing on the back end. And we still need to play the game for the big hits. We need to take risk up front, spend more money on development, build bigger packages in-house so that we can leverage the marketplace to retain rights where we can.
0: Do you, I mean, the the sense... My sense is that it's it's becoming a very monolithic business and you go into Netflix and you go into C B S, you go into NBC Universal and they say, Great, we'd like that. We'll pay you we'll pay you this and we'll pay you can take your twenty percent or thirty percent on top and we'll take everything. But is there more negotiating room if you if you walk in the door with IP well, that it's they interesting really want? I
2: was, gonna, I was gonna actually uh Ben and I played phone tag on the way over here. So on on the way over here, I'm on on the phone with a U.K. partner who is in production on a series for us in the U.K. that we're making here, right? And and so it's a great format. It's on broadcast network here, and he got a multi-episode order, and it's a big priority for us, the show. And so uh, we're obviously taking out our big new projects now at the top of the year. We've been uh, working and developing and packaging and doing all that. And so on the big project that one of the big ones that we have, um, we have a UK and a French partner who want to, are desperate to take it out. And I, you know, we need to figure out it's probably, these are ones broadcast and ones not. We need to figure out whether we want to traditionally five years ago, we would of course had them go at the same time because if they sold it in France or if they sold it in the UK, that would be better for us across the board. Now, if we want a Netflix or an Amazon purchase, we may not want those rights off the table. Right. And so that it's definitely changes the way we're thinking. Mm. Doesn't mean we won't do it though.
1: But right? but if you have the the right leverage or ability or partnership approach to the network, you can still retain rights. And the studios are still trying to monetize rights all the way down the revenue stream. We make a lot of programming for the CW and CBS Studios and Warner Brothers make their money off the network. That's why they keep Mm -hmm. it in business and and off the shows and exploiting it off of the CW. And CW made a really strong Netflix deal that also benefits its studio partners and therefore its rights participants and the most money um most people have made is being a participant on a studio's exploitation of a big time broadcast show that is definitely under threat, but you would still rather be participating in the big bang theory than owning, you know, a big Netflix, Apple premium show. And we're just trying to have the right mix of those shows. Will there be a place that actually exploits those? We just saw 100 plus million dollars being spent on the friend uh, <laughs> renewal, you know, 20 plus years off after yeah. it exited right. its primary distribution. And, you know, as producers of The Office. I was going to say, how not, fast
0: did you call <laughs> Ted Soranos?
1: <laughs> it's less Ted Soranos than the clear reality that that show has found, a, The Office has found a new audience, has grown in its importance not only to Netflix but to mm-hmm. Comcast. Over time, after it's gone off the air, it's found a younger, new generation, more my um, kids, yeah, more um, passionate audience, even than when it was on air. And as been reported, is the number one show on Netflix. And so, when that contract is up, I've got to assume Apple, Amazon, Comcast itself, you know, are going to want to get those rights and use them for their own services. Now, how? transparent will those transactions be? <laughs> and how will those um, questions be viewed? And, and is self-dealing now something that's accepted where it wasn't before? You know, those are all things that as participants, we have to really look at closely and ensure that we're being protected in, in that process. Mm-hmm.
0: So many so many moving parts there. Does does the coming together of Disney Fox and Disney's you know goal of launching a, a, not only the Disney Plus service, but a suite of services? Does that is that energizing or does that give you pause? Oh, my God, here's another vertically integrated walled garden that Disney is going to want to do so much of the programming all themselves so that they can own every stitch of it.
1: We hope they all want to kill each other, <laughs> as, l- as long as as long as they're as able to sustain and support the investment, which Bob Iger has said he will, which Steve Burke has said he will, which clearly Ted Sarandos and Reed Hastings have said they will, and um, then we want them in the strongest shape to be able to invest at scale. Now, will we be able to monetize those the same way? It's unclear because we haven't yet seen it launched. The merger hasn't even formally been, uh, uh, completed. So it's not, they're not like kind of telegraphing it out. But I imagine if you have the right compelling content, they will be bidding against each other to, to ensure that that content is on their service and that they're going to then drive the subscription revenue that will make it worthwhile for them to invest against that content.
2: And as new players enter the market, you see business models change, and you see people taking risks. And as Ben said, competition breeds um, opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we
1: still like broadcast television a ton, and Mm -hmm. we still like cable television. You know, These things haven't yet fallen off the cliff. It's clearly going down every year in terms of absolute ratings, but um, the moment right now is still the past and the, and the future mm-hmm. I think we're anticipating that this future arrives quicker and quicker and Netflix kind of shifting how it does deals was a you know rude awakening I think for many people in in the business
0: yeah no you I know, mean, reversing
1: what their initial structures were
0: you guys I have to ask you you guys were very early in on Apple you did one of their first original shows Planet of the apps. Do you have a sense of what's going on there? When we're gonna see when we're gonna see something official from them on what? Uh, well, what their video division has been cooking up for the last eighteen months or they're so. They're Working hard, mm-hmm.
2: and yeah. they're, they're they're making bets, and I think that they obviously need to figure out their distribution strategy, and yeah, which killed us
1: on Planet of the Ops because they didn't have it in place, you know, and and that was really disappointing for us because it's still one of the shows that we made that Most we think proud. is yeah, that's so qualitative, but. If you build it in the middle of the forest and <laughs> no one sees it, does it matter?
0: You were the canary yeah. in the coal mine, totally. And do you own that show? Do you do you own with that Apple, show with Apple, who mm-hmm.
1: controls its exploitation? Unfortunately, uh, for us, because otherwise you would be seeing it all over the, <laughs> all over the world. Um, it, with uh, with Apple, among others, though, it needs to play out. Like we, yeah. it's not clear yet. You know, they're obviously investing in development and executives, but. It's not yet um, a transparent strategy. It's not something that as you bring them content, they're explaining to you <laughs> how they're going to exploit or distribute it. I think they get away with a lot with the halo of the brand, having some kind of equity in our community, not just not just in the technolo- tech community. Um, but I'm and Howard are really excited that Disney Comcast, the traditional guys who speak our language, uh, yeah. who work in our business, are are going to be inside the uh, inside the same race. Because mm-hmm. I was worried for a while they were just absconding. Yeah, and now they're going time out. We're we're going to do this too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, a it, it 2019 is, it should be, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how the landscape has changed just in, in you know, the And I in just think of months. something like
1: Mary Poppins, which my children discovered through the Lynn Manuel version. Mm-hmm. And then you're back at home and we're buying and ordering the Dick Van Dyke version. Right. And, you know, that's a pretty valuable, uh, property you know and you start right. to think okay now if you close it in for one fee instead of having to buy it twice which we did the, over the holidays right you could be getting it all um we'll be paying for that you know and uh, as a family and so there's a lot and you can't you know discount star wars and and other things and with universal and nbc and comcast and there's some amazing assets and then, you know, I wouldn't undercut the value and the opportunities with Showtime and CBS all access, you know, even the small players Mm -hmm. have audience and relationship and dynamic and, you know, there's,
0: Let's talk about the talent representation business, because yeah. there's been a lot of activity. Lionsgate bought three arts. You guys are, are now the majority owner of Artist First. Um, you know, that we, we've Anonymous
1: visioned. has a partnership with Paramount and Lorraine Jobs is an investor. Right. endeavor got Silver Lake and right. they're doing a production company. Paul Lee's working for CAA, uh, trying to you know, produce right. and package backed by T P G, you know, so it's all all the MRC has overall deals with UTA and And management 360 360, you know
0: so yeah there's a there's a lot of coming together here but do you for artists first was there is the just the the pure traditional representation business is that still a business is that is that something that gives you a nice foundation completely
1: like the, the value of talent in this next iteration is not going down, it's going up. And you've seen it in some of the mega deals that some of the platforms are making to secure talent the exclusively. The Ryan Murphy's and the Shonda Rhimes. And the Kenya Barris, who mm-hmm. um, is represented by Artist First. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's so, Yeah, mm-hmm. so the actual value uh, proposition for these brilliant creators has gone up in terms of um, how they participate and are compensated. So we completely believe in that. And also how they can be unlocked into these new businesses. You know, whether it's Kate Hudson doing Fabletica, you know, or whatever those kind of uh, partnerships are in brand building, I think we've also witnessed the past 10, 15 years, this kind of age of celebrity as entrepreneur. And so... The
0: 360 approach. Exactly,
1: to these really connective uh, talent and celebrities who actually have this direct consumer relationship that's opened up through social media and active Instagram and a conversation of their consumer and audience and fans. And all of that is super interesting to us inside the talent business as the talent business separate from the talent business as a place to build productions and content. Well,
0: how, how did the rain relationship come about? Um, we
1: knew Joe Ravage a very long time and he had pursued doing a deal um, with me for years and after Howard um, had made do you want to talk about the A and E the A
2: and E came in, you know, first and um, I had, had um we have had a long relationship with um, you know Nancy and Paul and team and so um they came in and um Ben consulted me through that process and that was um, in two thousand fifteen when you were launching the company exactly. you partnered with A and E networks. I partnered with A and E networks and um thankfully had my consigliere and mentor um advise me through that process. But I, I had thought at the time, as did Ben, that it was smart to have a distribution partner. It was smart to have a partner who is in the um you know content distribution game who needs um producers, creative producers and needs, you know, um great IP. And that was a real so that that was the first kind of peg of um the building of the company. And um as as Ben joined formally and, and came in, we we um we had proved to A and E pretty quickly that we were a growth opportunity for them. You know, and they they at the time were investing in in addition to Vice we're investing in a lot of different creative producers and, and different types of businesses. Ours, I think, transcended pretty quickly, and um, with that, they wanted to grow. And we had often, you know, thought that that was just a beginning. And I think Ben um, had been hit on by a lot of people to begin organizations. You know, a lot of uh, big multimedia international uh, um, media players. Um, had been pursuing Ben. And I think that um, my relationship with him, I think that he saw um, a a friend and familiar um, believer in in the business and how we want to grow it. And um, Ben, you know, you talk about rain because that was really Joe and Ben had had a longstanding relationship. And uh, as much as we did want to grow, we were not pursuing. Once you joined us, we were not pursuing opportunities. We were kind of growing and organically, mm-hmm. and the business was sustaining and quickly, you know, evolving. Um, I think that Rain proved to us to be long-term players versus traditional kind of bankers, you know, looking to, um, to to come in and exploit an opportunity. I think they're they're long-term growth players, and we look at this as an opportunity to grow a long-term business and something that, um, you know, we can believe in and stay a part of and grow and with, you know, the people who work for us and even, you know, our children, you know, to be part of it. And I think Rain has that kind of similar sensibility. They believe in content.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and cl- clearly by way that where they have parked some of their We're money exactly. with yeah, and, yeah. and Matt mm-hmm. and Trey,
1: Matt mm-hmm. Parker and Trey, um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and so had a long standing relationship and was actually sitting down with Joe prior and concurrently to Howard setting up to talk about potentially trying to buy Electus from IC, which didn't want to sell at the time. And I realized I wanted to exit to go do something bigger in a scale with more support and was talking to Joe about all the various players who were chasing me at that time. And, um, and through that process, he's like, well, we want to do this. You know, we've now started primary investments and a fund beyond our previous, um, investment banking role, bank. yeah. merging banking role. And, uh, Joe Ravitch, Jeff sign Eric Hodge, Heather Steinman, the, the people we met there were all just so intelligent and great. We love that they were so internationally oriented themselves. They have LPs from all over the world, from Mobadala in Abu Dhabi to WPP in New York and London and offices all over the world as well with people who are not only supporting our business but are actually out there every day thinking about it as, as investors in the business. And they, as Howard said, really get the business. This wasn't going to a company that 90% of its assets are in tires or, right. or, um, you know, or non media or content related. These are people who knew intimately right. the way that our business operated. And their philosophy around this is there's this arms race going on and you guys are bullet makers. Imagine's a bullet maker. <laughs> Matt and Trey mm-hmm. are bullet makers. And if, and if we can, thrive, you know, there's going to be a need for the product you create. And what was also great is that senior management at A and E, when we had come in, knew that we were gonna bring in another partner. And so having two minority investors is so different than the way Howard and I had worked previously where we basically had majority owners
0: at Revel um, the at older like this
1: you know and with Shine you know being kind of more owned than um than invested in on a certain yeah. level and this now kind of fully liberated us to be in charge of our own destiny and, and as Joe Jeff and Eric said to us many times, like, this is, you need to do this now. Like, this is your moment to go build this and run it all on your own and see it through and build something of scale. And they, they were the ones who approached us on Electus. They said, cause I didn't want to yeah. feel like we were going after it for some vanity or to kind of, you know, close off some story. You know, they really were the ones coming to us saying, Hey, they're in this process And I think there may be a moment where we can enter this process, and uh, you
2: guys. I will say that I had to kind of Ben. I said Ben, you know, because again, he was a little. He had done the elitist thing, right? I mean, that's what I feel like. It was like someone, you know, do I need to go back to that? I thought that um, Ben knew that business better than anyone, and if anyone could drive derive value out of it, it was you know Ben and our team.
0: Is A and E still an investor? Yeah. They
2: are, and I will just go back and say it helped that A and E and Rain had a great report. Nancy and Joe uh served together on um The Vice Board. The Vice Board and they had a real familiarity. And David
1: Glanville-Smith, uh, who's the COO, mm-hmm. and Paul Buccieri, the CEO, were people we had worked with forever, and Paul had done all that ITV roll-up, right. and knew our in, our business inside and out. It's a,
0: it's a small world when you it's get right small, down, yeah, down yeah, to it. Yeah. And so
1: so there was such a shorthand between Paul, Digger, us, and, uh, and the RAIN team, both sets are minority investors in the business, and both are super supportive of the business, um, but neither one can trump the other. So it's really great to have people who are honest and we're thrilled that our board is comprised of the senior leadership of those companies too. Having Paul, Digger, Eric, and Joe on the, our board has also unlocked so much intellectual power.
0: Right. And plus opportunities that I'm sure, you know, a has quite, has very big international reach. It it all seems to feed into what you're trying to do. Completely. And
1: so when they have networks overseas and they, uh, and domestically they need hits, you know, and hopefully we are hit makers.
0: (laughs) What's, I didn't realize just how much international activity you have going on. What is the hardest thing about producing a show outside of the U.S.? Is it, is it navigating the local having to be there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> getting on a plane every, every other day? Right. Part,
1: part well, thing. well, um, you know, it's not as hard making them for Netflix and other U S based companies that are entering international markets. Right. It is, um, sometimes a little tricker trickier, you know, knowing how format delivery, um, Act breakdown and just some yeah. of the stuff that works inside the mechanics, but a show is a show, you know. It's not. It's not that far off from how we do it here. You know, cash flow issues, payment issues. You know, things like that require local partners, and that's why right. everything we've ever done. The Naudé brothers are French, and we brought in a brilliant French producer to work under us on that—a woman named Marie—and uh, and what we're doing in. Mexico for Netflix involves Mexican production partners, mm-hmm. you know. And so those kind of... And what we're doing in France involves people that we've both worked with over 20 years. You yeah. Know, these are people... Internationally oriented, like Edouard de Vazine, ran EuropaCore and was a producer on English-language global shows out of France in addition to local French movies. I think we believe there's a great opportunity to unlock French and German and Francophone and and Portuguese and talent as well. And I think that's a new migration. If before Howard and I looked to the international market for IP to replicate and remake here, that could then travel back around the world. Now we're also looking for the voices and the talent that can work on global content. And I think you're seeing more and more the strength of the founder creators and writers who are Mm -hmm. represented at Artists First are equal to the talent that is inside Hollywood.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that is very much with the internationalization. It's of it all. It's just opened up open the eyes
1: and you think about, you know, Padilla and you think about Narco, you know, you think about all right. these shows, people want the creators of those shows uh, creating other shows, you know, so, um, so that's, that's something we're excited about unlocking because we have a lot of those relationships.
0: hmm. hmm. Um, you both had at, at various times had stints as executives in more traditional television companies. It, it feels like a you know many centuries ago in yeah. some ways when you think about how much has changed. But what would you say for both of you, Howard? You were at Nat, National Geographic Television. Ben, you were at NBC. What would you what What would you say that your experience at those companies, running those at a high level? What did you learn not to do when you went into your entrepreneurial modes?
2: I mean, I feel like I learned a ton. You know, you're inside the you're inside the factory, you're inside the the, the the system, and as an agent, and as some, and then as a producer, selling to those people and wanting to, you know, make sure that they loved your product and wanted to make sure that they positioned it at the right night and wanted to make sure they marketed coming out of the right show and all those things, but not really knowing. You know, until you're in there, how it gets done. The first thing I would say is I did know a lot of it. Like, I knew more than I thought when I came into Nat Geo. I'm like, oh, this is actually how I thought it would work. <laughs> um, there there weren't a ton of surprises. But I think, you know, um, what I saw at Nat Geo was the value of a brand, a global brand like National Geographic channels uh, that could launch shows day and date. In the United States, in Germany, in you name it, right? You know, it's a complete global channel, and I thought the opportunity to tap tap into global stories. I mean, I think when I was at Nat Geo, that was when um, you know Netflix was gaining prominence, and you could see international global creators creating content that um, you know was popular not only in America but in Germany and other places simultaneously. Um, you know, me personally there, I also, you know, we always had a love for, um, documentary storytelling. Um, uh, one of the first shows that we, um, we produced coming out of, um, starting Reveille was the 9-11 documentary with the Naudé right. brothers and, um, having always been a fan of it, but not having done a ton of it at Reveille when the market was a little more commercial, um, format driven, um, I got a chance to work with some of the best documentary filmmakers and creators, tell stories about natural history, tell stories about um, things that science and um, that I was totally passionate about. So in that regard, I'm not sure that's a question you asked, <laughs> but that's kind of what, what I really enjoyed um, and what I took with me, you know, leaving that and, and I think taking out of
1: those organizations and applying it into an entrepreneurial environment, one of the key elements is understand your buyer, you know, and the depth of knowledge we have around their issues, their needs and their accounting, you know, very simple things that are kind of behind the curtain to most suppliers and producers and how a broadcaster or a studio does its accounting, does its Budgeting, Does its assignments, you know, all of those things help us be better sellers and know where we can kind of position something for the long haul for a partner? It's one of the reasons that I had such a shorthand with Mark Pedowitz at the CW, because I recognized how his ad sales matrix worked. I knew the importance of that. Netflix partnership. I knew that his studios were actually his bosses. And, you know, and ways in which you can help navigate that and deliver on that is uh, is something that we brought to our entrepreneurial side. And, um, and then I think there's also ways in which you can call bullshit on somebody sitting in the other seat because you know that's yeah. actually not the way it is and no, you do have pressure to do this and, and we can kind of shortcut a lot having been in those jobs and recognizing both the needs, the challenges and the lies that are sometimes uh, told, to the, uh, <laughs> told told to you on the outside.
2: We were always kind of we were always very prepared in when we were going to sell a show and produce a show for a network. we knew the network. I will say, um, as a buyer and sitting in the chair, it's shocking how many people come and pitch you who've never watched your channel, who are bringing you something. And so, I think part of it, I think, I think,
1: and I think part of what's challenging, like we, we don't quite understand everything going on at Netflix. We don't quite understand everything going on in some of these other new emerging platforms because they don't know, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's part of it. In how you think about something or anticipate, you know, where somebody will buy or um, support your content, it's hard when they don't actually have those answers themselves.
0: They're trying to figure it out as, as, they, as go. they go and yeah. as show by show, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything out there? I know this is a, this is a tough question, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. Is there anything out there that would entice either of you to go back to a traditional media company to run a traditional channel or a studio? Or do you just love being entrepreneurs? It's not right my <laughs> <laughs> it's not on my hit list. On my hit
2: list.
1: I think there. Like I wish. Uh, when I was at NBC, it had been Comcast who owned NBC, and not an NBC built for sale. Um, I think that there are some opportunities to really invest a ton in content that are appealing. Like it frustrates us a lot that ideas we know will work have to sometimes hit a wall that you know we're not in control of, of opening. Um, that being said, neither Howard or I want to go uh, work in that kind of rigorous, you know, uh, regimented, closed environment. There's something so liberating that we can wake up in the morning and talk about a documentary, a uh, a drama series, a French production, a network, a, a network show. you know, and, and able to kind of. Go wherever your creativity and ambition takes you. We're in the talent business. You know, I'm, I'm, most of those conglomerates got scared about being in the talent business. You know, so those are all things that are liberating on our side. And I don't think either of us would want to have to be inside one of those organizations. I know I would never do it again.
2: But both of our, but you raise a great point. Both of our organizations got huge cash infusions after we left. Very <laughs> really, really nice to have that. <laughs> I hear you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you both so much for your time Thank and you talking Cynthia. through this. It was really interesting. Yeah, good really luck fun. to you in 2019. We'll, we'll check in with you maybe um, halfway through the year. We'll let, see how let, things are let's going.
2: do it. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Baragia. It's really great to see you, Cynthia. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Howard. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.